0: And I'm Dion. Welcome to the In Life Podcast,
1: where we try to figure out life together. So what's What's up? up, (laughs) Wait, how are you doing generally?
0: Um, How am I doing? I'm doing all right. Not too bad. Can't complain. I'm wearing a long sleeve right now.
1: Oh, I'm sweating so much right now.
0: Wait, yeah. Okay, the Bay Area weather is so weird because two days ago, it was burning hot. Then yesterday, it was super gloomy, at least in San Mateo.
1: Yeah.
0: And then today, it's in the middle, but I don't feel hot. Normally, I'd be burning up by now, but
1: no i'm sweating i'm sweating so much and and your
0: windows open too
1: and my window's open yeah lame i have (laughs) distinct memories of when i first met you actually and you and Sadik were super like oh yeah yeah and i remember i it was like you sat in front of me diagonally left and then i sat in the middle and then Sadik sat diagonally right Mm. and so then i would just see you guys talk to each other and then i would just be laughing to myself but not included in the conversation um, and I felt like I thought you were quite uh, popular at work. Like Lincoln would come and sit with us, and like everybody would just like hang around, uh-huh. and you would just be. Yeah, it was a spot. With people, yeah, rich. Imagine.
0: Um, I talk about this all the time for like corporate seating. People were always oh. saying, "Oh, you should um, either sit or, or I think a lot of times when you're broken out into a team." The office planning isn't great so there's sometimes just no space for someone who's new joining your team so they end up mm-hmm. sitting quite far away
2: mm-hmm. the problem
0: is a lot of the times they're not sitting next to anyone they actually work with
2: mm-hmm. so
0: so they don't get that frequency of interaction so they're not building up any relationships yeah. meanwhile everyone else on their team is always sitting together talking about random things at their desks and that person's missing out on it yeah. So whenever I did, whenever I did like seating charts or I planned seating charts, I would always you? make sure that, yeah, when I was like leading, well, never like medallion wide, but whether it's for my group or my vertical, uh, vertical button, people always said like, oh, do it by tenure, do it by tenure. Problem is, all um, like the oldest people are probably the highest up. They're never at their desks, but they get the best seats and no one wants to sit next to them because oftentimes, yeah. it's like, they're my manager. Yeah. So the best way to do it is either completely randomize it or at least ensure that the new people aren't last, that the new people are someone in the middle. So they can choose a seat that's not like right next to a manager, but embedded within the us. The
1: community, yeah. Was. I mean, that's interesting because remember when we moved to, from south to north and then people had to choose seats, there was still definite clustering. Like always- I just clustered – with the same tenure yeah. or, like, a little bit older tenure than me.
0: Yeah, but there's always going to be. It's just like with yeah. any group of people, when it gets too large, you're just naturally going to have, like, better friends. You're going to be closer to some people than others. So I think there's always going to be You
1: think? Conflicts. But then if it was full-on, not full-on randomized, but, like, kind of randomized, we could have made new friends with people who we had never met before who are probably chill and not that new. Like, the fact that I had never hung out with Pete and Franny and all those people, like, I could have just been randomized to that. Yeah. Yeah, but it would suck if you got, like, randomized (laughs) to not that.
2: (laughs) To who? To what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um... Yeah. That would suck. All right.
1: Can I tell you about this um, exercise that I've done?
0: Oh yeah, please.
1: Okay. Are you ready?
0: Uh huh. Are we doing it? Or are you just talking? Yeah. About
1: it? Oh, we're no, doing we're it? Do
0: it. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, let me let me pull it up.
1: Okay. Wait. Yeah. I want to explain it to you though.
0: Yeah. Wait. You don't There's want to talk about your
1: interesting... topics? Yeah, I do want to talk about your topics too. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I would love to talk about your topics, but I have a great topic. All right. Okay, just for some context, this fellowship that I'm in was doing this thing called what is your why. And so we had this workshop where we were put with four random people in our fellowship, and had to just talk to them. And the prompt we were given was, like, take two minutes to write down your top three values. Mm-hmm. And then each of us will share our life story for nine minutes.
2: Yeah,
1: Our life will be equally divided by thirds. So since I'm twenty four, twenty twenty-five, it'll just be divided into like eight year chunks. Yeah. For every three minutes. You are a different story since you're significantly older than me. So you okay. know. Okay. And then You're only
0: twenty four.
1: I feel like this happens every no, time. No, I no, no, no. Every like,
0: time we talk about it, I'm like, oh she's twenty five. You're only 24. I turned twenty five
1: in a month and a half, so this whole time I've been twenty
0: four. Is this even a legal conversation <laughs> to be having right now? <laughs> twenty four is so different from twenty five. How? Twenty five is like mid twenty.
1: Mid. Quarter life Twenty four yeah. is like
0: you're kinda still in college.
1: Yeah, but you know what? I think COVID makes me feel like it's all the same because it doesn't feel like I can do anything differently at 25 than 24.
0: Oh, right. I mean, it's not like what you can do. It's like yeah. the mental state, you know?
1: Yeah, we'll talk about that later.
0: Okay, sure.
2: Anyway,
1: you tell me your life story and then I'll write down implicit values I hear and then we'll compare and discuss. And then switch.
0: Okay. I don't know if I'm ready to do, like, a great job.
1: Oh, yeah. Whole context is just uh, don't prepare. Just, like, write down your three values and then speak off the dome. Okay. Yeah.
0: Can you go first?
1: (laughs) I mean, I've done this twice already, so. Oh. But, yeah, I can go first if you want.
0: Okay. Well, I definitely know one value. I think I know another one.
1: But don't, oh yeah, don't tell me what your values are. Ah. Yeah, I don't want to hear the values because I will just like hear your story and then oh. write down values that I think you have. And then we'll see if it's like the same.
2: Oh. Oh.
0: What if my life story doesn't
1: tell your values?
0: Yeah. All right, you just go first.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm going to semi-time myself, but not really. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you can semi-time me, but not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the only thing you have to do is just write down things you hear, like major themes that you might hear. Sure. Right? Okay. All right. Uh, since I'm 24, I'm going to divide it by like eight year chunk uh, and talk to zero to eight first. Okay. Um, so growing up, I was like super, just very, very energetic and weird. Like making up dances all the time and just like running around and laughing, having a good time, pranking all my my sister, just like doing some strange practical jokes on everyone. I was really, really just thinking I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. Like I remember that being my passion. That was what I wanted to do. And I would put on performances for my family We would like play Bollywood music and I would like copy the dance and like, get a costume going um very like effusive and very early it went on in my life, I learned that my name meant light like Roshni means light and I somehow created this identity that I wanted to be that for everybody and so initially it was this idea of like making everybody laugh um, and just being like very bright when people interact with me. Um but I just remember having that level of awareness very early in my life. To contextualize me in my family though, um I have an older sister who's three years older than me and then my parents. Um and I think like my sister and I's relationship was really good in our like young days because she was really creative. And so it would be fun to like play with her and And we would just create a lot of stories for ourselves. And it also was interesting for me because I think as I grew older, like not even zero to eight, but like eight onwards to 16, it was when we would just get a lot more comments from like our community, like our Indian community Mm -hmm. about where we were similar and where we were different. Um, And I think that was when, I guess I started to understand like your position in life a little bit more, like things came, school specifically it came a lot easier to me than it did for her mm-hmm. and then once we started like departing in those pathways it was just a little bit easier for me to see like oh her strengths are being creative and like arts and writing and mine weren't really that mm-hmm. and it was a lot more like math and science um so as I grew older I started to I think I just always have had this, like, perfectionist mentality, but it became really exacerbated when I was in high school, probably middle school and high school, because initially I was like, oh, school's coming easily to me, and I'm doing well, and then I realized, oh, I have, to, I've set the standard of myself of doing really well, and I need to keep that up. Um, by no consequence of my parents, it was just me. I was the only one who said that I need to do that. Um, so, then, uh, I think that was also the first time I saw race, when I was growing up from like eight to 16. Mm-hmm. I didn't super notice it before then, um, but my school was very white dominated. So initially, I didn't see it. And then I just felt super othered because mm-hmm. it became like race and wealth that differentiated me from my peers. And so I would go over to their house all the time. They would rarely come over to my house because I held some shame. Um, because I felt this otherness, I also held some shame around my culture. Like I didn't really share my culture with a lot of other people at school. Um, all this time though, I still had like a really rich cultural life at home because my parents had been really great about doing that. And I did like dance and singing. And my every weekend we would go see my extended families or family friends, like 20 of us just hanging out all Indian. And so I had a large community for it but I felt like when I went to school it was like this dual identity for sure um and I think that ages 8 to 16 probably 8 to 18 is like the the period of time where I like rejected my identity the most of being Indian and was trying to find who I was not having that awareness though so, but like I think now looking back on it I was just trying to find who I was in this context of people who i didn't see myself in at all
2: mm-hmm.
1: um and so i remember like clearly this one point my sister went to the rival high school to mine that rivals high school had like a ton of asian people oh. and i like deliberately chose not to go there because i was like oh all my friends are here but in the back of my mind i was like the academics are better at this rival school um i think i'm scared of potentially failing in academics and i don't know what it's like to be around people who aren't my friends and who are asian like at in a school setting like i wow. had like 10 of them at my school um and i remember i kept saying this i was like i would rather be the uh like best in this like mediocre school than be like not that good in a really really excellent school right. and i think that was because of my fear of like failure i just didn't want to be bad um and try something and then realize i was just normal Mm-hmm. obviously i encountered that later in my life when you go to college but throughout like high school i like didn't really want to address that part of myself um wealth was also a really common theme in my in high school where i just felt super othered in terms of like my family is just is upper middle class which is really great and i feel very comfortable in uh, how we are financially but well compared to were like vps at google those were like the parents and mm-hmm. just like an immense amount of wealth like going to beach, having a beach house, having a private plane, kids getting net new cars for 16, every single kid having that, um, so I was feeling different because of that, and I think I had some like, more materialistic pursuits during that time than, I, than I've ever before, and I feel like that's when my relationship with my dad really grew, because he was very good at I used to listen to like spiritual things in the car all the time because he would listen to it. And so he used to listen to like Eckhart Tolle and I would just be, he'd be driving me to dance class and I'd just be hearing it. Or I'd be like, dad, I want Converse. And he would like sit me down at the mall at a bench and I'd be like really sad. Like, why can't you just give me Converse? And he was like, I I want you to know that like getting things is not that important. I can get this for you, but it's not like, it shouldn't make you happy. And I still have this bumper sticker in my room that says the best things in life aren't things. Um, Mm. And I'm not sure I would have ever learned that lesson if I hadn't had such a like wealthy interaction with all these people. Um, but yeah, as I grew up, then at the end of high school, I finally found like friends who I have to this day who are like immigrants or have some sort of like different racial backgrounds, which is I just saw myself in them more, like having the same kind of wealth or like same kind of upbringing right. where parents are more conservative. Um, so finally, I found a group that matched me a little bit more. Then I went to college and um, honestly, I had a really great experience. It wasn't super transformational other than I realized like I wasn't the best and that was okay. And I found that I thought my identity separate from academics and in like how I interacted with people and the the kinds of conversations I would have with people. And I think I still hold that to this day. And I also think I hold some ego because of that, which I'm not sure how long that will take to like undo, but definitely in college, I was like, oh, whatever, they're getting straight A's in school, but I'm having like really deep conversations and I'm able to grow myself and like reading these interesting books. Um, And so probably that just my fear of failure changed forms a little bit so that I put myself in this category that I didn't think a lot of people were in. Um, The other biggest thing I learned in college was loyalty. And i never had someone in my life outside my family that I felt like I would drop everything and just like do something for them. And I just met my closest friend then and she showed me through her actions, like what it means to prioritize others before yourself. And I never knew that, like I was just quite selfish in that regard. And so now I feel like that's something I know and like notice a lot more about my friends, just like how to transition from friends to family and how that can happen. It just requires commitment from people. Um, now in the past, what, three years or so? How would I describe my life? I think that I am still growing. I feel like I always have, and it's even more so now, just like this idea of fulfillment comes more into my mind. I still hold this idea that I am having deep conversations, and that's really important to me. And I think that's partially why, like, quarantine has been hard, because, or just like this phase of our life, because I haven't been able to facilitate that as much. Um, but I think still these like pillars of having, having depth in my relationships and like learning always has proven to always pull me back to something where I can't really ignore it. Like I can't just get a corporate job and just do it and make money and then not think about those things. Like it'll constantly cause me discontent if I don't have that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess that's something I'm still grappling with. Mm, Yeah, I think that's where I am right now. And I also think that's nine
0: minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Was
1: it? I don't know. I think relatively. I think maybe it was like 10 minutes. Well, not bad. Um, Okay, just for the pacing of this exercise. Yeah. Usually, from the last time, we did the comparison slash feedback or whatever, like reflection. Mm -hmm after each person spoke we can do that or we can do it like you also say your life story and then we reflect whatever you want
0: no let's just uh let's talk about you for now okay
2: um
0: uh, so i think it was interesting that you mentioned how only in college right you I guess you described it as like loyalty where you would give up anything for someone else outside your family. I thought that was interesting because it seemed like in most of the other times in your life that you described a lot of what you identified, or rather what you thought your identity was, was based on others. Does that make sense?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, whether it was like the composition of ethnicities in your school, or even growing up as a kid and then being compared to your sisters, uh, I it, I heard a lot of like who you were or who yeah who you were, but it's almost like I heard a lot more around what others were like and what others did so I thought that was quite interesting Mm. Um, and so I guess I'm surprised I don't know if like loyalty maybe is the right word or not but just that concept is something that you fully understood only in college so I thought that was interesting yeah so that's what I heard a lot of Um, I heard a lot of familial uh values attachment i guess uh you place a lot of emphasis on like learnings from your dad for example or being with your siblings um and that was quite interesting um and i know you've talked about a lot of family stuff in the past too from prior conversations so it seems like that's probably pretty. so i would say like values one would be something around just searching for identity and maybe around under starting to understand the value of self-identity. That's something I heard a lot. The second would be around uh, not prioritizing, but more like really treasuring and upholding a sense of family and what family can provide whether it's money whether it's life lessons whether it's just community Mm -hmm. um, that seems to be a big thing Mm. yeah I don't know what the third would be those two are the main themes that I heard
1: I think one thing that's interesting about this exercise if you do it with other people is what I end up saying to each of those people like the first time my audience was people who actually just didn't even know who I was So I had to give them a lot more context of like, this is, I, I'm working at this company and this is like what my personality is like because you guys haven't even experienced that. Whereas we have had a friendship for so long that you probably already know a lot of the things that I've told you and I'm just like putting words to them. So how I choose to describe them means a little bit more than like maybe what the content was. Maybe like earlier years, you didn't know as much about my life, but. Right. years I'm, I'm sure like how I chose to recount things would mean more right it's also interesting because I did it with my friend who I've known for like seven years now and she and I like, didn't say anything about like my school or like what I studied or what sports I did or because she knew all that so then I just recounted it in like how I felt in all these times of my life like in this phase I felt really energetic and then this phase I felt like whatever lost mm-hmm. or all and it was so so interesting because at the end we were like oh i realized I didn't even tell you like what sports i did or like what was my favorite subject or what i chose chose to major in in college mm-hmm. but yeah i think it's really cool like what levels you can get to with people that you know well but you're like oh there might be parts of my life that you don't understand and mm-hmm. i'm going to fill that in that would be my story rather than like when i was 10 i moved to
2: whatever right yeah
1: Oh, should I tell you my real values?
0: Sure.
1: What I wrote down? Yeah. Um, I wrote down curiosity, which I think is like similar to pursuit of self-identity, kind of. Deep connection. And us Mm -hmm. is greater than I. Like a collective is greater than the individual. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I wonder how much of those are like, because when you account your life, it's almost like what has, what was reflected in your years today to date. Right. Whereas I think my values are like what I'd like to see in my future. Maybe I didn't always have these in, right. in my past 24 years. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Your turn, G. Uh
0: so I guess what's I guess the first thing I'll say is I'm really bad at this as in i'm really bad about talking about myself mm. if that makes sense when people ask me how are you doing like the i i hate that question first of all i and i hate how that's like american small talk but i actually when when people are asking me and they actually care i never know how to respond oh yeah i'm always just like i don't know i just i don't know what it is i think it's just a like i feel and i emote but maybe i don't know or internalize how i feel that makes sense uh and so similarly i'm not quite sure how to talk about like what my life story is um I think I would probably just go through the motions and maybe just do it chronologically, or maybe even do the whole like, yeah, this is where I work. This is what I've been doing. This is where I went to college accolades that would define me. But for the most part, like if you were to ask me straight up and I had to give you an answer, like tell me about yourself, tell me your life story, I would not mention anything around what I do for a living I would not mention Mm -hmm. anything about where I work I would not mention where I went to college what my major was I wouldn't mention anything regarding accolades or anything like that I think I would just mention what I care about and who I am and how I behave Mm -hmm. which in a lot of ways is like just telling you what my values are so I don't know if it's as useful but for this exercise at least But I think that I see that hold true in a lot of parts of my life. Like, and I think that for me, I think it translates really well to the workplace, for example. Because when I say things like, oh, I don't see title. Like I would speak to you the same way I would speak to Leslie, for example. Like I actually do quite mean it because I just don't register those things. People ask me, oh, right. People would say all the time, like, you forgot where I went to college or you forgot what my major was, or you forgot where I worked or what I did. And it happens a lot. Trust me. Like it happens a lot. And it's not because I don't care about you as a person. It's just more like, I don't think those are the things that define you. It actually happens a lot where people are just like, you forgot where I went to school. And I'm just like, I don't even, I don't even know if I remember ever learning about it. Because it just didn't stick in my brain. Because that's just not how I think about you as a person. Um, like, actually, I've, I don't even remember where you went to school. Now that I'm thinking about it. Like, actually. Like, I don't. I don't where did you go to school? doesn't
1: matter. <laughs> Wait, just guess.
0: Sorry? Just guess. Uh, uh UCLA. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) That was probably some some subconscious thing speaking, but yeah, like literally, like it just happened. Like I, it just because it's not even in like my mental index. I don't even know how to explain it. Um. So I guess for me, I mean, the best way is like I'm just gonna tell you what my values are, and then I'll just tell you about my life story.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: Okay. I think there are a few things that really define who I am and I can draw upon um, context and stories from my past, my behaviors and actions that you see today. Um, So the first would be this idea of justice. Oh yeah. I think we've talked about this before, right? Justice, this idea of right or wrong. Um, to me, I'm, I'm like a very binary person. It either is or it isn't. I'm very bad at gray areas. And I think that's because I seek an answer, if that makes sense. And a non-answer doesn't really satisfy me and my curiosity. And so a lot of times, if I get into like healthy debates with people, I get very unsettled because oftentimes those things end with like, ah, you know, the right answer is probably somewhere in between. And I can't really do that. And so a lot of how this presents itself is with the idea of justice or like what should happen in this world so that the world continues to operate fairly, equitably, um, and I can think of many instances in my life where the whether it is like some injustice has happened and I get very heated or involved or it's just someone who like adamantly chooses to believe in something that's wrong. I get very passionate, whether it's in a verbal or a physical manner. Um, like, I mean, you've probably heard a lot of the stories that I told you around me getting into arguments with random strangers because they do something that's just wrong, right? Like it's unfair, it's just unjust, whatever it is. But I think this also manifests itself when I get into arguments with friends. And I remember when I was a kid, I would, this would happen all the time. I, I, I'm pretty sure many parents actually hated me as like their child's friend. Because oftentimes they would see me and their child get into just like an argument that there was never like a malicious or violent intent or anything. It was just two people argue, arguing passionately. And oftentimes for me, it was always around when they would refuse to see like the logic in something, or they would state something or believe in something. And then, I would say like, tell me why or give me the reasons why or cite some sources or whatever it is. And they wouldn't be able to. Um, and so that's, I think, carried with me throughout my life. And I think it's led to a lot of stubbornness, which I'm, I think I'm proud of. But I also acknowledge when it does maybe put me behind the eight ball a bit at times, especially like in the workplace, right? When I think something should be done a certain way. And it's proven to work that way, but maybe the way I go about convincing people is not the best, uh, because it's very forceful in certain ways. So that's probably the first thing, uh, is just this idea of right and wrong, of justice, black and white. Uh, The second thing, and I think as I've grown up and gone through life, this has become more and more apparent that it's just, it's a result of both who I am, but also culturally who I am um so growing up as an Asian American I I never really went through the same phase that you went through as a kid when you like first saw race and realized you were a minority that you didn't really fit in um for me I guess like growing up in Fremont it's slightly different demographically but at least when I was growing up it was fairly diverse um I never really saw race until maybe college. I never felt, and to this day, I never, I don't feel like a minority in America, certainly not in the Bay Area. Um, And I guess I would identify as Asian, but I didn't know what it meant to be Asian. But one thing that has carried with me, and I almost like exude this in any sort of group setting, is this idea of group harmony. I'm both consciously and subconsciously huge about group harmony in terms of like wanting to make sure there is harmony wanting to make sure if I have a bunch of friends over everyone feels welcome everyone feels like they can be part of the conversation Uh, whether it's in a team setting if I'm in an organization if I'm just yeah whatever it is um, it's not just like the topics that we talk about or the things that we do, but it's down to the very minute level. Like if we're in a meeting, it's where I sit in the room and where other people sit. Uh, It's how we position ourselves in a room. And if it's conducive to a harmonious sort of environment where everyone can feel like they can be vocal. um, That is present in so many aspects of my life, it's insane. Um, and I would say like almost to a fault sometimes, because if, for example, if I'm hosting and I have friends over, sometimes at the end of the night, I don't even remember, you know, like, did I have a good time? Because the whole night was around making sure that everyone, you know, feels like they're comfortable or feels like, you know, all these things. So I, I think that's a huge part of my life as well. Um. The third, I think, is, and this kind of, t- kind of ties into the right or wrong, but it, it's this idea of self-preservation and self-identity. Mm-hmm. Um, so the self-preservation part is interesting because it's almost like complete contrast to group harmony, but um, growing up as a twin, and twins say this all the time, but you either become... S- you either become super convergent and you become like the same person and you dress the same and your personalities are the same and you do everything together or you become super divergent. Um, and so me and my sister that we, we, we were super divergent, different interests, different strengths, different hobbies, all that stuff. Uh, but through that growing up, uh, it was almost like reinforced internally of, uh, I got to figure things out on my own, my own way uh and so to this day a lot of how i behave is very much so like without the help of others like i'm happy to support other people but when it comes to my problems i figure it out on my own um and part of that is also not just like how do i exist in this world on my own but also it's important for everyone to have their own opinions and thoughts which leads to the kind of the right or wrong thing i uh, not like look down on, but I am befuddled, I guess, when people don't have an opinion about something that's important to whatever. Um, and oftentimes my, what I love doing the most when I meet someone for the first time, is like asking all these deep questions that just get a sense of like what they think about certain issues in the world, uh, how they think about themselves in the world. I don't know. Yeah, those are probably my three things that really define me and how I behave on a Um, day-to-day. I know this wasn't conducive to your exercise, but
1: (laughs) yeah. No, I feel like um, I have more questions from it than I do observations. I would say I think it's quite interesting, uh, like how you speak structurally in terms of – and it, I'm not sure if it's, like, you having just come out of interviews or if it's <laughs> how you, like, actually think, yeah. which it could be how you think. Uh-huh. But I feel like you're super, like, these are the three values. And let me tell you, like, clusters around those values of why I behave this way. Yeah. But ultimately, this is the value. Moving on. like yes. you <laughs> This no, is the value.
0: My brain is, like, it's all about compartmentalization. It's... Oh, there's another one too. There's another yeah. ex- expectation setting. But to me, it's all around compartmentalization. I think it's like borderline OCD.
2: Yeah.
0: Like um, it's how I wash dishes. Like if you ever see me wash dishes, I wash dishes the same way every time. The same things. Like it's just as in like I will always start with um, small to large. I'll always, always, always collect like if there's dishes all over the place i'll always start with silverware chopstick yeah. yeah always and it appeased me to no end when like i'm washing 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 and i finish the 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 silverware compartment and like kathleen comes over and it's like oh i forgot to give you this fork and i moved on to like the small bowls i like in my i mean i'm used to it now because we've lived together for so long but in my head i'm just like you serious like it just I don't know how to explain it but it's the same way when I organize things when I project plan when I do work when I set meeting agendas it's like OCD like it's agenda 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 item item item, and I have to go like one at a time and if you want me to go out of order I get really like but it's not supposed to be that order yeah so,
1: Were you always like this, or do you think work shaped you like this? A no, bit? I think I, I was always like, like this. Oh, okay, I was always okay. like
0: this. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Um. Well, I think it's good. Very eloquent. <laughs> what I wanted to bring up is like kind of a tangent, but something I had said to Ridby, my best friend, who I'd done this with before, when I was describing to her, and I didn't even bring this up in my life story to you, but so you know how you were describing like I see people I don't see people's accolades when they talk to me and when Mm. I get to know them like I just see them as a person
2: yeah
1: um I said something similar to Ridi but kind of different in in that we were talking about like do you see people's appearance like how attractive they are Mm -hmm. and I was telling her like I remember have remembered many instances where My friends will tell me, oh, this person that you're like friends with is extremely attractive. And I would say, oh my gosh, I've just like only know them as their personality. Like I know this person as their personality. I kind of like divorce it from how they might appear. And it it, like clouds how I see them a lot. Like I just think of them as their personality. Like, oh, they're really funny. They make me whatever, all these things. And it's hard for me to put a value statement on like their appearance because I just see them as their personality. And if I don't know their personality, then I think I probably would index on like acc- accolades and appearance. Mm-hmm. Do you think you have a similar relationship when you see a person? Like if you're not even seeing a person, because I think that requires you to make a lot of judgment. Right. But when you're just like describing a friend, do you describe them? Like, how would you describe them if you don't see them for their accolades? Like, do you see this appearance thing? Or what are these other attributes that you would choose to depict them with?
0: Uh, oh, that's a great question. So if I were to choose, if I were to be like this, describe to me so-and-so, what I what would I say? Right. I think I would, I'm doing it right now in my head. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's purely driven off of like actions. Mm-hmm. Like not uh, what they look like, not what they've done in terms of accolades and where they work and all that, but just like... In our interactions together, what is, what does that person like when we're going on a trip together? You know, are they, so I would, I would think for example, like if we're staying in Airbnb together and we're going on some like long weekend trip, is that person the type of person to always help out when it's time to cook? And if they didn't offer to do the dishes, uh, I would describe that person as helpful. Mm. Is that person uh, always trying to make sure we get somewhere on time and rally the troops and we don't, you know, lazy around when you have a large group of people. I would describe that person as like a leader, organizer. Um, it's just, it's always around in my head when I'm visualizing them, they're doing something.
1: Interesting.
0: I don't even know okay. if I'm able to describe him any other way, honestly.
1: Okay, because I was going to say, like, if we were to... So, yesterday, I was telling my friend about our podcast. Yeah. And I was like, oh, uh, I'm doing it with my coworker. No, I don't think I said coworker. I actually think I said my friend. And then she was like, oh, how do you know this person? And I said, oh, we work together. But he joined, like, three years before me. Something like that. And she's like, aren't you intimidated... Like, how do you guys have a conversation where it's, like, peer-to-peer? Mm. You guys is I always feel like when I'm talking to people who've been at my company, like, longer than me, I feel some, like, hierarchical, mm. like, oh, I have to talk to them in, like, a little bit a uh, professional way. And I'm like, no, I don't feel that at all. But I, and I didn't, like, end up describing you that much. I was just like, oh, no, I don't feel like that. We just, like, had these conversations. And I remember the way I described you was the first time we interacted one-on-one was because we were both told we had a shared interest in talking about deep things. And then from there, that's like all the context that I gave in order to inform why we're doing this podcast together. So I guess it kind of depends on the context, but I'm curious, like, how would you describe me? Because we haven't been in, we have not been in many different contexts together. We've only been at work together.
0: And we've never actually worked together.
1: And we've never worked together. We've only been at work together Right. and we've never (laughs) worked together. So, like, there's no action-based qualities that you might have observed of me. Yeah. Other than what I told you. Right. So, is that what you would call upon? Like, how I've recounted who I am to you?
0: Uh, I'm sure, like, at this point, it would be partially influenced by that.
1: Yeah. Isn't that, that's so interesting to me.
0: I think the number one thing, the only word that actually comes to my mind would be energetic.
1: Mm. Yeah, I guess you would just like feel that regardless of circumstance. Yeah. Like or like whatever just all the do. things
0: I'm picturing in my head are just like you being energetic.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Okay. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was when you're talking about injustice, how affected are you? I'm curious how you're going to respond to this because of what we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. How affected are you based on the immediacy of injustice? Meaning I see this woman cut my line at Disneyland and I'm pissed <laughs> because I saw her do it and I saw. Why do you have to say Disneyland? <laughs> Why do you got to do me like that? <laughs> Versus, I hear that like children in a different country are yeah. like, um, obviously, those are really huge disparities. But, right. how do you like what layer of immediacy do you need to feel like I'm passionately going to talk about this with someone?
0: Uh, I would say like the more direct it is, the faster and more passionate I will get involved, right? So, if we talk about the trope, starving children in Africa.
2: Yeah.
0: I could probably contribute to the cause. But it would be very difficult for me as far as like the current capacity that I'm able to think and act and the skills that I have to make a difference there.
2: Yeah.
0: So it's, it's not even that it would be useless. It's just more, I wouldn't, I just can't see if I've made a difference or not. Whereas if like a lady has caught, and to be clear, it wasn't in front of me. It was in front of this mom, single mom with like nine kids. But anyways, oh. That to me is just like, it happened and it's solvable and I can help solve it. Now, the way I went, if you ask uh, the people that were there, the, one I, the way I went about it was definitely not uh, conducive to any sort of like, actual solution, but it was also 1 a.m., um, but it's something that can like easily be addressed. Right. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She acknowledges
0: that she was in the wrong, she gets off. And then the single mom gets to ride with her eight kids. Yeah. And, like, everyone feels good about it. No hard feelings, you know, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, the more direct it is, the better. And the more yeah. I feel like I have control to do something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I guess like in a the- I'm, we can have this conversation in the future too about like, then how does that affect your job or like, you know what I mean? Because probably the causes that a company would be built around are less immediate to us. Like, yep. I do one thing and it affects this person immediately. So yep. um, no, we can talk about it later. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about is group harmony with family. So, in the scenario that you have, A family of four or something like that and inevitably your children will want to like rebel at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, From what I've seen mostly from my father and like people other like dads who have daughters when that happens A lot of these people, and I think it's like confounded by this idea that males don't have a male community to like reach out to as much and confide in these emotional things. So they use their family as that unit, like this Mm -hmm. is my community. So with this idea of group harmony, when that happens to you, of your kids being like, F you dad, I don't want (laughs) to. And like literally mean it, like you can see in their face and it hurts you how do you think you would feel about group harmony? Like to your, what was, what were you describing it Like my first team. What, isn't that Oh yeah, think? first team, yeah. Like your family will probably be that. Like it's probably that for some people, but especially when you're the parent, I think like, the type of person you are, it would be right. your first team. Like how do you think you would feel when so, they're like,
0: no. Okay, so this is the interesting thing. I don't think I would, uh, well, I'm not a dad, right? So I have no freaking clue.
2: Yeah, right, but, right.
0: If you're, like, if I were to project myself five years from now, I don't know if I would consider my family my first team.
2: Interesting.
0: And I think that's because when I think of first team, I think of, yes, not only the people I would confide in, but then the people I would ask. The people that I would feel, uh, mm, okay. I guess it's more like, oh gosh how can I even explain this to start when it comes to like support going back to my whole self-preservation thing right like it's almost like I would be my first team Uh, from a support standpoint but also when I describe first team it's almost like discounting family because family is almost like an obligation not that I don't mm. enjoy hanging out with my family. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It's just more, it's like a given. And I know that's like a luxury to say, right? Because not everyone's like that, but yeah. And especially if I were to have a kid, once again, I'm not a dad, but this idea of like first team is almost like it'll change from time to time, right? If I go sure. to a new company or whatever, move to a new place, whereas like my three-year-old son that can't feed himself and that I need to take care of is like, always going to be there no matter what, I don't know. Right. That makes sense. Okay,
1: okay, let me, so yeah, I kind of regret that I said first team. No, it's fine. I want to reframe it as like, just in the idea of group harmony, because I think that principle applies more readily than maybe first team. Then and also not when your child will be three, but potentially yeah. when your child has like their own thoughts that can make some sense. Like yeah. in middle school or high school, then they choose to reject you. Like right. how and it's like such a huge hypothetical, but Ooh, I've seen yeah, it play yeah, yeah. out before. Like how do you think you would feel in that kind of circumstance?
0: So if they're rejecting me because like I don't want an authoritative figure around, I'm a thirteen year old and can make my own decisions, like yeah. I'm cool with that. Like I couldn't care less yeah okay like i'll just be like sure whatever like go do your own thing i get it but if and this is like another interesting topic for another day but if it's like i don't care what you say i'm gonna like uh do cocaine yeah because all my friends are doing it.
2: yeah
0: that would be like a right versus wrong conversation for me
2: Mm.
0: where to me it's just like I know you're young and I know you just don't know all of these things that you just don't know, right? You don't know what you yeah. don't know. But I would almost stubbornly and ineffectively try to convince them. And I've actually talked to Kathleen about this a lot of times where it's like, how would you handle a situation like this where your kids, you know, comes home? Like, would you tell your kids don't do drugs? Would you tell your kids uh, don't have sex before marriage or don't have sex before you're 18 or all these things like that? my approach is very like I would need to convince them because like they have to know because I've been through it so I know better whereas for Mm. her her style and the way she grew up was very different it was like the you know they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do and the best that you can do is to educate them or all these things and it's like two very different parenting styles so I guess to answer your question directly, what would I do if my kid came home and was like, F you, I'm going to do drugs? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. But what I can say is right now, like I'm getting angry or like just passionate talking about it. Just like I can even, I can see myself getting super angry and yelling at them. And then I can see myself, it won't work, obviously. uh, And then I can see myself like begging them Mm
1: -hmm. to that point
0: because it's like you, it breaks my heart. And it also frustrates me to no end that you don't see the logic in it or something like that, yeah.
1: This is interesting because this is not in the name of group harmony, I think. This is in the name of like justice almost or like what is right versus wrong. Correct, Like right. you, you have this idea, this is right and wrong. Right. So it's not like I'm... I I almost think that in the name of group harmony, you would say I'm not really going to push this because that's going to create a rift in our relationship and like.
0: Ooh, no, 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 no! Yeah, I would say really. like it's it's it has a lot to do with long term group harmony, right? Oh, like if my kid started doing drugs and became addicted to it, likely it would create a lot of rifts, awkward conversations. They'd become a pariah in the family, possibly Asian culture, all that stuff, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah yeah and I think a lot of times like for group harmony there has to be something at stake so if my kids rebelling and like not gonna talk to me for a week there's I know there's nothing really at stake like a month a year 10 years from now they're gonna grow up go to college come home one day like laugh about it but can you believe I did that when I was 13
1: yeah
0: um whereas if we're all sitting around at work and someone new shows up if we don't make a welcoming atmosphere that first formative week with that person they might not have a great time and so there's like something very immediate at stake
1: Mm. yeah Hmm. interesting interesting yeah i don't have any other questions about that i want to think about it a lot though because honestly i think there's not Hypotheticals are not super effective in getting an idea of how you would actually act or how I would actually act. Like somehow we have to I don't know, hypotheticals are, how effective do you think they are? Like I feel like they're they're not gonna be that effective in getting you to know yeah. how you would act in that situation. Maybe yeah. nothing, actually maybe nothing is gonna yeah. be effective in actually seeing how we would act.
0: Yeah. It's actually like a they're just fun to ask and think about. But they're, like, actually terrible for simulating anything.
1: They're um, not, yeah. I don't, I don't imagine that they would simulate anything.
0: Have you ever asked you the chicken nugget question? The chicken nugget hypothetical? Uh,
1: maybe? Ask it again?
0: Like, if I put a gun to your head, or, like, some stranger puts a gun to your head and says, you need to eat 100 chicken nuggets or i kill you in, like, the next 30 minutes, could you do it?
1: probably wait let's just do math around it real quick so i just know at what pace i would have to eat these yeah. two seconds all right in 30 minutes i have 100 chicken nuggets let's say i eat about like 32 right the graph is
0: like you know
1: i know i The time passed it's yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: like yeah, yeah
1: yeah but let's say i could keep a constant pace of, okay but let's say i force a constant pace of 33 chicken nuggets in 10 minutes huh. is that bad like how hard is that
0: Okay, this is exactly what I'm saying. In actuality, I'm sure it'll be hard.
1: Yeah. but well, also, you're scared out of your goddamn mind.
0: Yeah, but, like, that'll just get you to eat, you know, adrenaline. I'm just going to chow them down. Um, I don't get it when people, like, I... And this is going back to why hypotheticals are dumb. But I don't get it when people say, like, oh, I don't really know. Like, maybe? Like, maybe... It's your life on the line and they're like this big a hundred of the and they're really good
1: Well, okay. I'm curious like why chicken nuggets like what if they're like, oh, I don't really like chicken nuggets. So it's like tainting my view of this whole thing
0: I have no idea. I just <laughs> it was like <laughs> yeah, a random question. Yeah, yeah. I asked at some point in time Some people say like duh, like of course yeah. I would do it Some people were just like, oh, I don't really know. Maybe like huh? Like it's your life. On
1: what do you mind. say? What do you say?
0: Of course Give me 200. Oh, you you're kidding? like,
1: I'll die trying is what it
0: is. No, there's like no doubt in my, there's no doubt in my mind.
1: Are but once serious? again, this is going
0: back to why like hypotheticals are kind of dumb. Are
1: ineffective. Yeah, I've
0: no. never eaten a hundred chicken nuggets before. So a lot of people are this actually. it just
1: shows you like your, I mean, for me, what it showed me is in the face of a question I don't know the answer to. I answer, mm, yeah, probably let me try and figure out how I could do it. Right. Where I think some people would probably be like, I'm not comfortable answering this question because I don't know all the things like sure. the environment that I'm in, right? Like I can't calculate that, so I don't know how to answer this question at all. Whereas right. I'd be like, I'm going to give you some answer because I don't know, why not give you an answer?
0: Yeah. I guess for me it's like an emotional response. Like I don't even need to know like how much oh, time going like, like I'm dying. When I would ask this question before, I'd always ask can you eat 100 chickens chicken nuggets to save your life the first question people always ask is like how long do I have and I'm just like in my mind I'm like why does this matter you know what I mean no
1: in five minutes okay right right
0: but like that's just how I would think about it it's just like of course like you know like I can only give me all the limitations of restraints you want like of course I could do it like I can only use half my teeth or I could you know what I mean like there's no question it's like 100 chicken nuggets for my life yes
1: it's because of the four-year life thing? Yeah. It uh, feels like for fun,
0: like, nah, just give me, like, forty, you know?
1: I'm vegetarian, so no. i
0: I'm still doing that.
1: Yeah, bro. Oh. It's been, uh, like, eight months.
2: Huh?
1: I'll probably just be vegetarian for the rest of my life, to be honest, unless I travel yeah. somewhere, and it's like,
0: That's oh, well, insane. I
1: gotta try the Kobe beef. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, Japan? Because...
1: That would be like Yeah, just so
0: only
1: area. if I travel to Japan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. That was fun. That was. We'll answer your questions next time.
0: Okay. If you liked what you heard, send us an email at inlifepod at gmail for a question you'd like us to discuss. Thanks for listening.